This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Southern Gothic is a podcast that explores the history behind some of the American South's darkest days, greatest mysteries, and most chilling ghost stories. One night in 1728, a ship arrived at the port of New Orleans carrying a number of young women. Until now, the city's population was filled primarily with soldiers, fur trappers, gamblers, exiled prisoners, and the like, the type of folks that were hardly the bedrock of a new community. So King Louis XV sent these women to the colonial city to live at the Ursuline convent and eventually marry with the hope that they would build families and thereby cement France's footholds in the region. But according to legend, as they exited the ship, folks took note that the girls did not seem healthy. Many of them were pale and gaunt, but since they had just endured a difficult journey, not much was thought of it at the time, and the men who unloaded their belongings were more surprised by what they traveled with, heavy, wooden trunks. The women requested that the men deliver these boxes to the convent, with instructions that they were to remain locked tight. So they did just that, and brought them up to store in the third floor attic of the convent. But when the time finally came for the nuns to unseal their belongings, what they found was shocking. They were already open and empty. The nuns fearfully concluded that these women must have brought vampires with them to the colony, and these monsters were hiding in these wooden boxes by day, and then escaping through the attic windows to feed at night. Boxes that were known in French as casquettes. As a result, these women have become known in local lore as the casket girls, and to this day, New Orleans folklore still claims that these were the very first vampires to set foot in North America, a claim that has helped cement New Orleans' now infamous reputation as a place filled with the undead.
Yet the legend of the casket girls is far from the only tale of vampires in the city that care for God. In fact, just a stone's throw from the old Ursuline convent is a beautiful 19th century mansion that may have once been home to a mysterious gentleman named Jacques Saint Germain, a man who, according to legend, may just have been a vampire himself. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. It was the dawn of the 20th century when a mysterious man arrived in New Orleans from France. His name was Jacques Saint Germain. According to legend, he was an extremely wealthy and handsome middle-aged man who exuded charm and intellect, boasting a mastery of languages and art. As such, one would expect that the high society of New Orleans welcomed Saint Germain with open arms, but oddly, they did not. Perhaps this was because he was the type of gentleman who enjoyed a good, boisterous party rather than refined and dignified dinners. Or maybe it was because every time he was seen out in public, he had a different woman on his arm, accompanying him on his strolls through the quarter or joining him as he enjoyed the city's nightlife. Something that St. Germain relished without any doubt. Of course, on those nights that the mysterious foreigner stayed in, it was really because he himself was hosting a party at his own beautiful mansion in the heart of the French Quarter. These highly anticipated events were proof that Saint Germain didn't need the approval of the city's upper crust, as his reputation around town had grown so large that people flocked to his Royal Street home to attend them. These lavish parties were always catered with exquisite cuisine, fine wine, and quality entertainment. But while his guests dined and danced, the host never seemed to partake in the food himself. Instead, Saint Germain is said to have stood in the back with a chalice of wine in his hand while he watched his guests enjoy themselves. But it is clear that his guests weren't just attending for the entertainment and provisions. Most were there for a chance to be in the presence of their host, for Jacques Saint Germain was quite the entertainer himself. He was a true storyteller with a seemingly never-ending supply of personal adventures and worldly knowledge offering fantastic tales from his travels around the world, from France and Italy to Africa and Egypt and beyond. You can imagine that this only added to the mystery surrounding him, especially since he sometimes spoke about events that occurred hundreds of years in the past, describing them with such great conviction and detail as if he himself had been there to experience them personally. 
At the time, this seemed like nothing more than an odd quirk, a charming attribute of such an interesting man. So Gash just enjoyed his stories for what they were, stories. And they weren't really concerned with whether or not there was any truth to the tales. It was just merely another part of the mystery. This mystery, however, came from more than just Jacques St. Germain's love of New Orleans nightlife, or the tales he told, or the parties he threw, because in reality, no one actually knew where the man had come from. When St. Germain arrived in New Orleans, St. Germain didn't have an entourage or even a multitude of belongings as one would expect from such an affluent individual. But he did have one significant item that he displayed in his home, a portrait of the famed 18th century European adventurer, alchemist, and close personal friend and servant of King Louis XV, the legendary Comte Saint Germain. And if you ask Jacques about that portrait, he'd tell you he was a direct descendant of the Comte. This claim aroused quite a bit of suspicion in some of the city's aristocratic circles, particularly considering the seemingly fantastic tales that Saint Germain liked to tell. But visitors to the mansion who had the opportunity to see the Comte's portrait for themselves felt very differently. Jacques looked remarkably similar to the Comte in both age and features. So rumors began to spread throughout the city, jokingly at first, that Jacques Saint Germain was not the Comte's ancestor, but rather, he was actually the man himself. And perhaps somehow, some way, the celebrated alchemist had acquired the ability to render himself ageless and was now living there in New Orleans in that mansion on Royal. Of course, Saint Germain delighted in this rumor and he neither confirmed nor denied it. For several months, this went on as nothing more than good-natured entertainment, a silly tale meant to humanize an eccentric man. That is, until one day, everything changed in a single, horrific moment. A now unknown woman fell from the balcony of Jacques Saint Germain's home while his neighbors watched in horror. Some claimed that it happened during one of his parties, others that it was in the early hours of the morning after guests had left. But either way, the police were called to investigate. Fortunately, the woman survived the fall, but when the authorities arrived, she was bleeding profusely and ranting to anyone who would listen that she had been attacked by Jacques Saint Germain and that she had not fallen from the balcony, but rather had jumped in an attempt to escape him. What exactly she told the police that day is unknown. Some say that she described a scene in which the man had taken hold of her and physically bit her neck, while others claim he had wrapped himself around her and dragged a knife across her skin in an attempt to drink her blood. She claimed that the only reason she survived was that a loud knock on the front door had distracted her assailant, giving her the opportunity to flee. As you can expect, the police were a bit skeptical, 
Jacques Saint-Germain was a wealthy, well-respected gentleman, and this woman was accusing him of an extremely abnormal and vicious assault. But the men listened to her all the same, and after she was sent to the hospital, they proceeded to knock on Saint-Germain's door, confident that there was a reasonable explanation and that the woman's claims were merely based on delusions. When the gentleman opened the door, the police informed him of the woman's claim, but they also reassured him that he was not being arrested. They merely asked him to come down to the station at a more convenient hour and provide a statement addressing her accusation. So St. Germain agreed, and the police left the scene, foolishly expecting him to comply with their request. But Jacques St. Germain did not. A full day passed before the officers decided it was time to head back to Royal Street and bring him in themselves. But when they arrived at the mansion, they discovered that Jacques St. Germain was gone, along with all of his belongings, including that portrait of his supposed ancestor. An investigation ensued, but the result was entirely unexpected. There was absolutely no food, dinnerware, or even utensils anywhere to be found within the house. Everything that was used during those lavish parties came and left with the caterers. But this odd discovery paled in comparison to the truly horrific scene of what they had stepped into, as it appeared that the carpets and tablecloths were all stained with what appeared to be blood. If this was not frightful enough, a deeper search proved to uncover a large number of corked wine bottles, something that at first was unsurprising. But when the police uncorked and emptied them, what they found inside was not just wine, but a mixture that also included blood. Now in hindsight, it seemed that the woman was not delusional at all. Jacques Saint-Germain was a monster. After that fateful day, Jacques Saint-Germain has never again been seen in New Orleans. Now that he had disappeared as mysteriously as he had arrived, people were shocked by the scandal, and many felt betrayed and embarrassed by how they had been taken in by such an individual. As time passed, though, his acquaintances started to recall some of his odd behavior in a new light noting that no one ever actually saw him eat at parties. And those seemingly quirky tales that he told about century-old events? Well, what if he did actually live through them? The people of New Orleans now believed without a doubt that Jacques Saint Germain was a vampire. This is the legend that remains in New Orleans to this very day, a city that proudly continues to tell this tale to its visitors, delighting in the strange and unusual events that may or may not have even occurred there. So we'll dig deeper into this old New Orleans legend, the mansion where it is believed to have taken place, and more after the break.
Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Today, the beautiful mansion that Jacques Saint-Germain purportedly inhabited is considered, quote, one of the French Quarter's most photographed homes. Located at the western corner of Royal Street and Ursuline Avenue, the now private home is a two-story brick building boasting almost 5,000 square feet of living space. Built around 1884, it features one of those iconic wrought iron wraparound balconies that are stereotypical of the French Quarter. And it has those familiar tall windows on the bottom and top floors. The prominent front doors of the mansion are located on the corner. And they're very likely one of the reasons that the building has become so iconic, especially since today, they're a beautiful, eye-catching bright red hue. The door's location on the street corner indicates that the property was originally designed to be a commercial space, with retail on the first floor and residential on the second. And while today the property's address is 1041 Royal Street, originally it had two street numbers due to this dual purpose. Honestly, we haven't been able to figure out how many businesses were located there, but at one point it was a hardware store. And when we investigated the chain of title for the building, well, 
we couldn't find anyone named St. Germain. However, the people who did own the building during the late 19th and early 20th century also owned a number of other properties in the city, so it is likely that it was leased out, and as a result, we probably will never know who resided there between 1902 and 1904, when the legend of Jacques Saint Germain purportedly took place. In addition to that, we weren't able to uncover anything that documents a woman jumping or falling from that balcony. On the other hand, there is one truly unique and notable architectural feature of the mansion that local lore is connected to this aspect of the tragic event. One of the second floor windows has been entirely bricked over. Who knows why this was done, but the building's current owner Chip Blondeau told the New Orleans Times-Picayune in 2016, quote, There's an old wives' tale that when evil goes outside, you need to brick it up so it can't go back in. So was this the reason for that modification to the building, evidence that at one time a heinous act took place here, or is that bricked-over window merely inspiration for it? As for the building's most infamous resident, the mysterious and possibly even vampiric aristocrat from France. Well, it seems that there is in fact documentation that a man named Jacques Saint Germain called New Orleans home near the turn of the century. In 1890, a 54-year-old Frenchman named Jacques Germain arrived in the city. Although, according to the documentation, he was listed as an engineer. Then, in 1895, another individual named Jacques Saint-Germain appears in the New Orleans City Directory, but he resided on North Rampart Street, not the corner of Royal and Ursuline. This gentleman was also identified as a laborer, a far cry from the wealthy dignitary of lore. All of this, of course, proves absolutely nothing. We clearly have no way of knowing if Jacques Saint-Germain did or did not exist. And if he was a vampire, as legend claims, he quite likely knew how to evade people's attempts to pin him down. Yet there is one final element of the legend that requires a closer look, his purported relation to the infamous Comte Saint-Germain. For centuries, people have been enthralled by the mysteries surrounding the European dignitary, some believing that the Comte may be either immortal or even a time traveler. Yet aside from this speculation, he did in fact exist and was a controversial figure in European history. But like Jacques Saint-Germain, folks have been trying to separate the fact and fiction surrounding him for centuries. To this day, the Comte's origins remain unknown. Some believe he may have been born in 1691 or possibly 1712, although towards the end of his life, he purportedly claimed to be the son of Prince Francis II Rokoxi of Transylvania. Now, historically speaking, there is no proof that this claim was true, but that mystery is merely a drop in the bucket 
compared to the rest. The first unchallenged reference to the Compte is from a 1745 letter from Horace Walpole, the English fourth Earl of Oxford. He wrote of him, quote, An odd man who goes by the name of Comte Saint-Germain, he had been here these two years and will not tell who he is or whence, but professes that he does not go by his right name. He sings, plays on the violin wonderfully, composes his mad and not very sensible. He's called an Italian, a Spaniard, a Pole, a somebody that married a great fortune in Mexico and ran away with her jewels to Constantinople, a priest, a fiddler, a vast nobleman. The Prince of Wales has had unsatiated curiosity about him, but in vain. Though it was common to use many titles throughout Europe in the 18th century, the comp's refusal to give up such information was highly unusual and considered suspect to the aristocracy, and it's said that the only time he willingly gave such information away was to King Louis XV of France, of whom he became quite close to. While he had no known profession, he was charming and accomplished in a variety of areas, a linguist that spoke numerous languages, as well as a chemist, noted alchemist, and an excellent storyteller. Some say that he was able to create diamonds out of thin air and turn worthless stones into fine jewels, manipulating metal into gold, and even created the elixir of life, leading some to believe that he may in fact be immortal, a claim that was bolstered by his continued youthful appearance and good health. Furthermore, as the Comte made his way through various European communities and mingled with the nobility and royalty in each, he told extraordinary tales of events he supposedly participated in and conversations he had with the likes of Cleopatra and the Queen of Sherba, events and individuals from over 500 years prior. According to history, the Comte Saint-Germain died on February 27, 1784, in what is present-day Germany. Although stories persist that Saint-Germain continued to be cited in decades following his death, an enduring and well-documented mystery. With this in mind, let's return to New Orleans, where there seems to be quite a few parallels between the legend of the Comte and the lore of Jacques. Clearly, they were both charismatic, attractive men who mingled with the upper echelon of the societies in which they lived, and both had an innumerable amount of skills and a predilection for telling stories that, if they were to be believed, would render them far older than possibly imagined. Unfortunately, unlike the mystery surrounding Comte Saint-Germain, the legend of Jacques Saint-Germain does not have much of a paper trail at all. In fact, little has even been published that resembles the tale we presented prior to the 2000s, although we do know that it has existed in local lore for a bit longer. It just wasn't as fully formed as it is today. We should also note that the demeanor and description of this now infamous New Orleans vampire bears an awful large resemblance to some of the main characters and one of the Crescent City's biggest literary exports, Anne Rice's Vampire Chronicles. 
a work that has done more to cement the city's reputation in vampire lore than possibly anything else. Of course, whether or not Anne Rice was influenced by the story of Jacques St. Germain, vice versa, we may never know. Question remains, did the immortal Comte Saint-Germain spend time residing in New Orleans under the name Jacques, or is the tale of 1041 Royal Street merely the city of New Orleans' own submission to the much larger mystery of the Comte, a variation steeped in the city's own local flavors? My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you are listening to Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic is an independent podcast produced by siblings Brianne and Brandon Schecksneider. If you're a fan of the show and would like more content, be sure to join us over on Patreon or become a premium subscriber on the Apple Podcast app. There, you'll receive access to both ad-free and monthly bonus episodes. This show is also a member of Airwave Media, a podcast network that features some of the leading storytellers in audio entertainment, including other chart-topping podcasts like Redacted History and Historical Blindness. For more info on Southern Gothic, be sure to visit southerngothicmedia.com today. And as always, thanks for listening. Lucky Lady Shacks. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, all. Eric Rivenus with the most notorious podcast here. Each week I interview an author or historian about a historical true crime, tragedy, or disaster. Subject matter ranges from gunslingers to Gilded Age murder to gangsters to fires to pirates to wild prison breaks. My guests bring their incredible knowledge directly to you. Please subscribe to Most Notorious on your favorite podcast app. Cheers and have a safe tomorrow.